Welcome, everyone. Thank you to Maria for, for uh, being our host for today. And uh, I quoted a phrase from the, the ceremony for head students, uh, where the head student acknowledges that the people who whom he are addressing, uh, whom he or she would be addressing, are elephants and dragons, who uh, uh, he has a, a task of of addressing and speaking about the Dharma, and that I, this seems like both a joyous and a, a daunting task for me today. So, well, welcome everyone. Um, let's begin by sitting together. Uh, until a quarter after the hour, I'll ring a bell for the start and the end. And um, please just sit upright, connect with your breath, connect with the fact that you are um, connected with everything in the in the entire universe right now.
Hello everybody, Joel will be back in just a moment. He's just been zapped off <laughs> for want of a better expression. So we can just continue sitting until until he arrives back. Thank you so much for your patience. Thank you. Friends, I'm sorry. I I I don't know if you could tell, but uh, not only did Zoom freeze, but everything, my computer, I had to restart everything. And uh, I was wondering why one why 11.44 on my clock was taking so long uh, and uh, couldn't get out of it. So thank you so much for sharing many extra moments of still, stillness with me, even though for me, some of them were in complete panic. Um, all right, well, I'm gonna start. I, again, I thank you for for being here today. Uh, and I thank Maria for being our host. And, and I, I hope you were able to help everybody else figure out what was going on, Maria. So uh, I'll be talking about a koan from the Blue Cliff Record uh, in a recently published collection called The Garden of Flowers and Weeds, which I've talked about before. It's a translation with commentary by a, a Canadian practitioner of Korean Zen or Son named Matthew Juksan Sullivan. And the koan is case number four called Deshan Carries His Pack. I wanna give a little bit of information about the about myself, about why I'm interested in this koan and about the, the people in the koan. Uh, information that people hearing the koan at the time when, this, when the Blue Cliff record was published would have been very familiar with. Um, first of all, let me say that last June, when I uh, was talking about another koan from this book, I also mentioned reading Joan, Southern, Joan Sutherland's book, Through Forests of Every Color, and quoting her wonderful description of uh, two koan types. Um, she says, there's dilemma koans and mystery koans. Dilemma koans show you, <laughs> pardon me, where the walls and the locked doors of your present room are uh, located. Then they offer you not nicer wallpaper, but a lockpick. Mystery koans remind you of what is just beyond those walls, of what it is like to breathe freely and to see all the way to the horizon. Um, I have a, a particular pleasure each week in participating in an informal Appamata group that's called Zazen and Sharing. It meets on Wednesday, uh, on Wednesdays um, at, at 12.05 Austin time. And uh, mem many members of the group have been meeting regularly since Ellen Hibbert and Kim Mosley started the group years ago. Uh, I started about a year and a half ago. And it, as I say, it's a highlight of my week. Uh, and again, all are welcome. You don't have to, uh, you know, get registered or anything for it. Just show up and participate if you can. Um, and the, the link is on the Appamata calendar, the main calendar. Uh, we In Zazen and Sharing, we've been reading the Garden of Flowers and Weeds as a group for several months. And we just spent several weeks reading and talking about case number four. And I will say some recent events in my life have worked with that discussion and that focus on case number four uh, to make it into a very give it a very particular resonance for me. Uh, before I share the koan on screen, as I say, I've got a little background I want to share. Uh, there are two main characters in the koan, Deshan and Guishan. Uh, both these names, Deshan and, and Guishan, are honorifics. They, the Shan in each of the names means mountain, and it indicates that they were esteemed founders of monastic traditions. Um, and um, uh, who, you know, had headed their own monasteries on a mountain. Uh, they lived in the mid 10th century by our calendar during the Tang Dynasty uh, in a period, as Joan Sutherland points out, that was in the aftermath of devastating war and famine throughout China. And they both went in and uh, reading some other sources I've learned, they both had to go into hiding to uh, survive the great Buddhist persecution that lasted from 941 to 945, according to our calendar. Uh, the first person uh, in uh, I, I want to mention is uh, Deshan Xuanjian, and I, I apologize for my 
probably terrible pronunciation. Uh, in Japanese, he's known as Tokusan Senkan, and and um, um, he's someone that's of particular interest to Dogen. Um, uh, Deshan is credited as the patriarch whose students founded two of the major uh, uh, houses of uh, of Chan uh, practice in China, the two of the five houses, the, the Yunmen school and the Fayan school. Uh, and the other character, main character in the story is Guishan uh, in Japanese, uh, Isan Reyu, who was a student of the influential teacher Baijiang. Um, he has a dialogue with Baijiang in the Blue Cliff Record, uh, case number 70, entitled, Baijiang Fears for His Heirs. And that, that fear for his heirs is because Guishan doesn't answer a question the way Baijiang wants him to. Uh, he is credited as the co-founder of one of the five schools of, of Chan, the Guian School. <coughs> the third name that comes up in the reading, <coughs> pardon me, is Zhuido Chongxian who lived several hundred years later than this, than the events of this story, and who compiled 100 koan cases with his own poetic commentaries into a book that was widely studied. It's called 100 Odes. And this was later further developed into what we now call the Blue, Blue Cliff Record. So I'm gonna share my screen. All right, I hope everyone can see that the uh, case is called Deshan Carries His Pack. Deshan arrived at Guishan's temple. He carried his pack with him into the Dharma Hall. As an aside, this was a very rude thing to do. Uh, he carried his pack with him into the Dharma Hall, where he crossed from east to west and from west to east. He peered around the hall and said, nothing, nothing. He immediately walked out. Zhuido commented, completely exposed. <clears throat> But reaching the monastery gate, Deshan said, I shouldn't be too hasty. He promptly changed into his formal robe and re-entered the hall for an audience. As Guishan was taking his seat, Deshan held up his sitting mat and said, Master. Guishan reached for his ceremonial fly whisk, but Deshan immediately shouted, shook out his leaves and exited. Zhuidu commented, completely exposed. Deshan turned his back on the Dharma Hall, put on his straw sandals, and left. That evening, Guishan asked the head monk, where's the new fellow? The head monk answered, after you met him, he turned his back on the Dharma Hall, put on his straw sandals, and left. Guishan said, someday that gentleman will climb the summit of a lonely peak. He'll build a thatched hut and will never stop ragging the Buddhas and cursing the patriarchs. <clears throat> so I'm going to actually uh, stop the screen share here for now, and maybe we can have a chance to look at it to get together later. But I want to share some commentary on this from Matthew Sullivan. He says, Deshan Xuanjian was one of the most imperious teachers of his day. He began his career as a Buddhist scholar dedicated to the study of sutras and the cultivation of wisdom through intellectual refinement. When he was told that monks in the south of China were teaching them that mind is Buddha and that sutras were only hindrances to understanding, he became incensed. He traveled from the north uh, to the south to humiliate these so-called Zen masters with his knowledge of the authoritative scriptures. Instead, one of the uh, heretic Zen masters helped him attain a vast and clear awakening. It happened when Deshan was staying at the monastery of Zen master Longtan. One night, Longtan handed Deshan a lantern to light his way back to his quarters. But before Deshan could take a step, Longtan blew out the flame. In that very moment, Deshan tasted enlightenment. Following his awakening, Deshan heaped his, script, his scriptures on a fire he had carried a whole load of scriptures in his pack with him to the south. He heaped his scriptures on a fire and dedicated himself to a life of meditation. In Deshan, <laughs> the fervor of the recent convert 
was alloyed with his inborn single-mindedness to produce a razor-sharp blade of Zen. Longtan himself said that Deshan's teeth were like a tree made of sword, swords, and his mouth was a basin of blood. By the way, happy Halloween. Uh, <coughs> later, as a Zen master himself, Deshan would become famous for his uncompromising vision of worldless non-duality and his heavy reliance on beatings in order to nurture his disciples. But as a youth, in the aftermath of his meeting with Longtan, he traveled from monastery to monastery, testing his realization against other Zen adepts in Dharma combat. And that's what's happening in case number four. For Deshan, nothing could compare with what he saw in the darkness that, con that Master Longtan conjured with a puff of his breath. What could anyone add to or remove from such a moment? The words and actions of others were only more dust blowing in the desert. They had no value for him. This attitude is clear from his behavior in arriving at Guishan's temple. <coughs> Sorry about that. Our practice at Apamata is to imagine ourselves in the places of the characters, to see what we can find out about the experience they are living through in the encounter. What do you find yourself hearing uh, and seeing this case? What do you find yourself experiencing? Echoing the words of Joan Sutherland, are you, do you notice locked doors and walls? Is it a, a desire for nicer wallpaper or maybe for a lock pick? Do you see uh, what is just beyond the walls, leaving you breathing more freely, looking all the way to the horizon? For myself, I see myself as way too much like Deshaun. I don't go around picking fights with people, but when challenged, I certainly do hang on to my own fixed views on any number of topics. And I'm willing to do combat with them over, over all sorts of things. In my head, I look for the weaknesses and the arguments of other people that I disagree with, piling them up like walls. And I mutter nothing and nothing, 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 nothing to myself under my breath, usually not so much out loud. But what really gets me about this koan is Grishan's comment, which shows me a world outside the walls. Uh, by the way, I will say Grishan's comment, his prophecy about, about Deshan was pretty much wrong. He said that he was going to go up to a peak, a lonely peak, and just be there by himself, right? But he didn't. He went on and he founded a famous monastery and he had Many, many students, and they went on, they went on to found not one, but two of the five houses of Chan. Uh, however, in the most important part, the feeling tone of what comes from Guishan's comment, uh, I really aspire to the generosity and open heart with which he spoke. He, he might have been mad, you know. He'd just been disrespected pretty much to his face. Uh, and, and this guy had you know, broken the rules of how you're supposed to act in, in, a, in a monastery in a way that was, um, was disrespectful. Uh, he might have tried for some revenge and sent some of his monks out to drag him back and demand an explanation. Um, uh, or at, at least he could have said something to recognize, to indicate that he recognized that he saw some violation in what Deshaun had done, but he didn't. Instead, what he says indicates that he acknowledges Deshaun's path as being just as valid as his own path. Isn't that amazing? When the import, I'll say it for me, when the import of, of Guishan's words um, came through to me a couple weeks ago, I, I felt a surge of energy from my feet up to the top of my head that I, that I could still reimagine. Um, so I liked, I liked the idea of being able to inhabit a world of such open-heartedness and generosity. And, I, and I'm grateful to, to have that lockpick or that, that view out to the horizon that this koan provides. 
after the uncomfortable experience of seeing myself in the in the uh, uh, pugnacious activities of, of Deshaun. Um, I've been going on a long time, but I want to close with one more frame that seems important to me. It's the beginning of a, a poem that I that I shared uh, during the precepts class a few weeks ago. It's a wonderful poem called No Path by David White. And this is just the, the, um, the beginning uh, lines of the poem. It begins with a, a quotation from the Tang Dynasty poet Han Shan. Uh, and the line is, there is no path that goes all the way. The opening lines of the poem are, there is no path that goes all the way. Not that it stops us from looking for the full continuation. The one line in the poem we can start and follow straight to the end. The fixed belief we can hold facing a stranger that saves us the trouble of a real conversation. So I'm hoping that you will come forward and help me find a real conversation. I see Nelda's hand. How are you? Good. Good to see you. Good to see you. So I'm I'm curious on on two sides. I'm curious um, from a side I can't see because I'm not one, and that is a Zen teacher. And I'm also curious as a student of Zen from both the teachers who have been uh, selected to do that and all the others who teach me. Because I can see this coming up. Um, I don't like the word battle, but this sort of bumping up against each other um, in our practice. And not only on ordinary things like, do we put a comma here or not? <laughs> As we bumped yesterday, <laughs> different people bumped yesterday. But um, just in terms of how to proceed. So you're in Appamata. One is in Appamata or whatever, Sister Sangha, and an issue comes up. And um, those of us who don't have the teacher title might think this is the way to proceed and are told, no, this is this is what need this is what will be done, should be done, must be done. And 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 so how does one as a student do to do, first? How does one as a teacher come to that sort of answer? And then how does one as a student deal with that sort of answer? I guess is what I'm curious about. That's what this koan brought up for me. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Nelda. And I'm I'm just I'm just processing the question. I mean, of course, I've I've I'm in an entrusted teachership role sitting in this chair, and I'm also a student, always a student, uh, always learning, and learning from difficulties as well as, uh, you know, beautiful poetic statements and, and confounding koans and, and uh, uh, everything in between, you know. Uh, but uh, there's another, another quote that I read from um, Matthew Sullivan not long ago that uh, talks about the role of a teacher. And he says, there is actually, there's no such thing as a Zen teacher. Um, and that the most important thing about being a Buddhist, a Zen student, or a Zen practitioner, is being a member of a Sangha. And he quotes a, one of his teachers is telling him that being in a Sangha is like being, uh, that a Sangha is like a sack of potatoes. And that they, uh, you know, you carry them around and the potatoes knock the dirt off each other. Um, and he, he goes on and on about how pointless attempting to teach Zen is. Um, and um, so I would say that what I know from my teachers um, is that they look for what increases awakening what gives a greater sense of freedom as a direction, you know? And it may be, you know, there's been controversy at Appamata. Should it, should Appamata allow 
during the pandemic, you know, how many people should be there? Should everybody have to wear masks? Should everybody have to be vaccinated and so on? There's some that saw this as, as needless restrictions and, and, um, um, you know, an imposition on freedom and others who saw this as requirements for public health policy, you know? Um, and I certainly have had my fixed views on that and have many conversations about it where I've, uh, <clears throat> I've stuck to those fixed views. Um, but again, what, you know, it, it's hard to, it's hard to map the line, the uh, an alignment with freedom and awakening um, onto some um, things that seem like restrictions, but um, nevertheless, if it is, if it allows for more people to participate, more people to participate more fully, uh, and to allow for an ex examination of. Um, where you're coming from and how your how your actions can affect people and bring up compassion you know within yourself with for another etc uh that those those are the guideposts that i have learned about from peg and flint and 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 over and over and over again from other people in our sangha you know as well as you know readings and teachings and so on that are available but most of all from the kindness and generosity of people that we share this teaching space with, you know? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes, Joel, thank you. Everyone is a teacher. I, my, <laughs> everyone in the <laughs> small and large across the world is a teacher, whether they know they are or not. So thank you, I appreciate you for that answer. Thank you. After my computer reset, I um, my background reset too, and and so I have this gnarled old cedar tree that's growing on the side of Sandia Peak uh, that I actually took a photograph of after reading uh, uh, Longtan's comment that that Deshan uh, his mouth was his teeth were like a tree made of swords. What an amazing concept. Anyway, that's a spiky looking tree to me. Rosemarie, welcome. Hi, Joel. Thank you so much. Um, I've been, for everyone, I've, I'm in the little group with uh, Joel uh, looking at this, um, at this koan. And I love the fact that you um, focus on the compassion of Guishan. Um, I identify more with Deshaun and because of that, I get stuck there. And when I, when I, which is, you know, um, I think that's part of the self-centered dream when we, when, you know, if we get stuck in what we want to improve on, let's say, um, and, um, I was thinking that we're, we're all like both. We all have, have both. And um, so I, I really appreciate your um, uh, shifting my lens to, to be more balanced between uh, between both. Um, yeah, I think that's what I wanted to say. I, I will um, also um, full disclosure. There was we there was a meeting yesterday. This is really quick, um, and um, there was a little group of us trying to write something together, and um, the question was. Does mindful energetic care have a comma in between mindful and energetic? And I could not believe myself when I was actually in a power struggle with someone else in the group about the comma. So there you have it. <laughs> it was very um, kind of embarrassing after the fact. And um, I will also say that Peg, um, it was investigated and Peg, um, gave her expert advice that there is no comma because it is one thing mindful. It's one thing. And she said, and the proof of this is 
I'm not going to remember it now. The Big Bad Bear, was that it? Uh, did anybody read that comment? And I, I anyway, she gave a little explanation of um, no, no, no comma. So just so you know, <laughs> full disclosure. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rosemary. Um, Becky, before I call on you, I want to say <clears throat> there are other versions of the story of the awakening of Deshaun from his beginning as a as a devoted and and uh, uh, ferocious advocate of the style of Buddhism that is based on sutra study. He had set out for the South carrying uh, a big pile of, of sutras that he was going to argue with about uh, argue about with people in the South. And in one of the stories, and this is the one that's highlighted by by Dogen, uh, his awakening actually came when he met a woman who was selling rice cakes on the street. And she and and, and she said, what do you want? And he said, well, I'd like some rice cakes to, to ease my mind. And she says, well, and, and he says, by the way, don't you know who I am? I am Shu, the king of the Diamond Sutra. And she says, oh, well, let me ask you a question about the Diamond Sutra. And, and um, she says, what part of your mind can you soothe with a rice cake? And, he, and she says, I'll sell you some if you can answer me. And he can't answer. Uh, and uh, so that is, that's the highlight according to Dogen. And then later on, he goes to a long time. But Dogen tell, does not tell the story about the candle. Uh, and uh, just says that he he became a a Zen practitioner after that. So uh, that's just in line with you know everybody's a teacher, I think. So Becky, welcome. <coughs> I can hear you. Oh. Yeah. Okay. No, I wasn't talking. <laughs> You heard me fine. Uh, I I uh, have I've said to you and many people that I have avoided koans as much as I could since I've first encountered them uh, because most of the discussions seem to call up in people their fixed views and therefore that it reminded me of what in my youth I was really good at, but ultimately decided not to participate in, which is what I called intellectual ping pong. Uh, and, and so I just have been staying away from it and just not quite even listening sometimes when, when somebody's telling a koan even. Uh, I just sort of blank it out. Um, fortunately, I don't have a self... Uh, uh, a fixed view about that now. And so I thank you and others who have uh, represented them in a way that does say, this is, you know, this is a story, this is the setting. What, what is your experience hearing it or thinking about it or whatever? And to me, mm -hmm. that's the most important things we ever do with that sort of thing is to look inside of ourselves and to be open to listening to others that we're with about what's happening inside them. And that's mm -hmm. the biggest, that's the, the biggest teaching that we get because I, I would have said I was a person that didn't have a lot of fixed views about things that I was mainly going about trying to look at enough of them in case some of my thoughts can change because I always find that exciting. Like that's one of the, you know, that's one of the most exciting things in the world is to, is to experience a shift in my thinking that feels right. It feels right. And so uh, I, I am really appreciative because now I have experienced it in a way that I, I recognize now when I, and bumping into my my fixed views most of the time, and that that's that's really quite quite wonderful. Now it doesn't mean I can change them right away, but I recognize them. 
And so I really just want to say thanks a lot that, that we have this tool and that it has unveiled itself to me as well that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and when, when, when Nelda came on and you said something about from where I sit, and I thought you were going to say in this tree, <laughs> but you said in this chair. <laughs> so, but, but uh, yeah, it's, it's wonderful. I don't see it as swords, but by golly, it's a gnarly, lovely old tree. Yeah. And I thank you. Thank you, Bucky. Yeah, I just, I'm just, when Becky was talking, I was thinking, well, yeah, when I'm doing that, I just walk around now in my head, I'm saying nothing, nothing. I don't have to listen to these people. I don't have to to take into consideration where they're coming from. And, you know, just like uh, to have this antidote of what Guishan offers as a, as a possibility is a, a lovely thing for me. Julia, welcome. Hi. I just wanted to start by saying thank you for how you dealt with the difficulties with technology. I've just started trying to uh, take a role with as I call it, opening the doors of the the Sangha. And I I sit with fear each time that something's going to go wrong. And it is so wonderful to see this is part of everybody's experience. Um, And we don't need to do it alone. And when you reappeared sitting in front of that tree, that tree is so wonderfully powerful it has given me so much peace looking Mm. at that tree and looking at you almost sitting in the tree (laughs) thank you and i think in terms of learning i think there's nothing wrong with having an opinion of you of being right so long as we're always open to listening, to hearing, and to shifting that view. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just thinking of a program I'd been listening to on the radio. It's about scientists and how they try and discover how the world works. And they always start with a premise, with a view, and their goal is to have that view shifted. And that's success. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, that's something that we must remember, that there's nothing wrong with holding a view. But it's nice to shed it occasionally, just like that um, that burden was shed with all the books. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And again, to, be, to have the capacity to say, okay, I'm not, I, this is not the way I operate, but... There is something valid in doing the opposite of what I do. You know, there's something valid in that, at least for exploring the Dharma. I think that that's a, such a wonderful lesson. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, we are close to the end of our time. Let's say the four practice principles together three times through. Uh, I know this is different from the format that that um, Flint often uses, but pretty much everyone knows this version, I think. So please join me. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering. Holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering. Holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher. Being just this moment, compassion's way. 
caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Julia, thank you for your comment. Thank you for reminding me to, again, thank Maria for being the uh, rock that kept <laughs> kept this uh, the session together. And thank you all for, for persisting, even though I was frozen on screen and then disappeared. I'm so, so grateful to you all. And I wish you a wonderful day and um, happiness and as much awakening as we can have in this in this very troubled world. And thank you, Joel, for endeavoring to come back to us. <laughs> thank you so much. And, uh, and if you'd like to offer Dana to Joel, then please do go to apamada.org. And it's a wonderful time to, um, to support Apamada as we're in deficits at the moment with finances and it'd just be so help more than helpful um but your your support in just being here is also a great support so thank you all so much for for being here and if you'd like to continue for a further minutes 30 minutes on the porch then please do pop yourself into gallery view and i'll see you in just a moment thank you all so much thank you